Hello and welcome, my name is Matt Mayer, aka The Implications, columnist of the Imps Adventures series on LawsOfPain.net and your Perfect 10 Wrestling host right here on LOP Radio. Uh, apologies immediately in advance if you can detect it at all. Uh, this is going to be a quick upl- like record and upload, I don't have the time to do my normal kind of edit. I'm recording this at like half past 11 at night is when I'm starting, so busy day leading to a late recording and I've got to get up early tomorrow so it's going to be a quick little edit and that little stutter I did just there staying in can't edit got to power through I can't do multiple recordings either anyway so today's topic I'm back by myself for the first time in what feels like ages I will say I didn't mean to book January it just kind of happened which <laughs> is really odd like I asked people months in advance and they said yes and then I did when it came to the month it was like oh yeah well that was a lovely accident so we're back into the normal swing of things. I've got Clive coming later this month. But aside from that, I think I've got a nice clean run to actually talk about the network shows, which is meant to be the actual format of the show. <laughs> I've just not used it at all. Uh, so yes, the actual format for Perfect Time Wrestling is me covering the WWE network shows, but it's been about two months since I've done that. Correct if I'm wrong. And things have changed a little bit since I last did it. NXT UK is now running only one show a week ever since their... Uh, takeover event in Blackpool. Uh, I think they're finishing up their shows are in Blackpool relatively soon. Uh, tapings are happening in Coventry. I thought this month or maybe next month. I don't really know. All I know is the next UK tapings are in Coventry. So whenever that is. Anyway, but I'm going to. So that means with only one NXT UK show, I'm going to go through some quick news things first, and then I'm going to jump into NXT, 205 Live, NXT UK, all that lovely stuff. So firstly, some quick news things. There are talks that NXT, or, or not NXT, well, WWE are in talks to start up some NXT uh, type of thing in different countries. The first one being Japan. I've talked about before about like things with Saudi Arabia and things, but that's part of like a bigger deal. Uh, so NXT Japan apparently is in the works, and WWE have been talking about getting that set up in some way. I find that interesting because there was another piece of news that came out which might have gone under your radars, or I say might, very likely <laughs> went under the radars, that All Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Noah, and Wrestle One, like three pretty big promotions in Japan, uh, there was talks of those three possibly working together as like one kind of unit in some way. I don't know if that means like, like New Japan and Ring of Honor did. I know they're different countries, but as an example, like New Japan and Ring of Honor in a way, or maybe WWE and Evolve, where they're working together, but they're not necessarily one whole unit. Or if the plan is they'll work together as one unit and promote each other. I don't know. <laughs> it's just early talks, but it's interesting that that news came out about the three promotions, I'd say possibly the three most popular promotions under New Japan that are male wrestling, obviously. I don't know where DDT sits. It's a fun. It's quite often a fun comedy place and also a serious place. A stardom. I'm not sure where they rank, but they're all women, so I've, I've kind of exempted them from this little discussion. But interesting. <laughs> interesting that those talks arrived the same time WWE talks arrived, like same week. Uh, speaking of random talking things as well, the WWE Quarter 4 Earnings Conference Call was, I think, today, this morning. Again, time zones mess me up. <laughs> I can never remember what the dates are. 
so quickly going to go through that as it kind of just relates to things that I've talked about before as well. Uh, it was a record-breaking quarter, and Crown Jewel looks to be highly responsible. I say looks to be, because WWE do not release those numbers that are like specifically for Crown Jewel, so we don't know how much they made. All we can go is, it was probably a minimum of $10 million. But I feel like that's really, <laughs> it's just, that's putting it, when I read out the numbers, you'll see why that's a bit of a, it's like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> in a, I'm doing it in a really, really calm way. Uh, anyway, so if you look at the data, I'm going to compare, uh, so it's quarter four that's just come out. So I'll talk about quarter three, which was, uh, yeah, the revenue came in at about 11 million. So that'll be SummerSlam kind of uh, time. I, I can't remember, I think the quarter is, Three months, obviously, so for each quarter. So that'll be that kind of SummerSlam kind of time. They brought in 11 million. Quarter four, with like Survivor Series, Crown Jewel, whatever, uh, that brought in... I've lost the number. That brought in 63 million. Good gods. Oh, I know that didn't impact as much because I stuttered halfway through, but again, can't edit. So anyway, the point being, just look at that. That's one example. Quarter three, 11 million without any Saudi Arabia show. Quarter, quarter four, with a Saudi Arabia show, 63 million. Right. <laughs> That's a huge jump. I can't remember when Super Showdown was. That will factor in. If that was October, correct me if I'm wrong there, if that was October, then that would also feed into that figure, which is very important to remember as well. And, and of course, they do their like Survivor Series tours and their after WrestleMania tours are like a huge thing as well. Do keep that in mind as well. Uh, then there's also a similar jump for the Greatest Royal Rumble. So I, so I did kind of look at these as well to see that there was also a jump for them. So the first quarter with the Royal Rumble, that got 8.9 million. Then the second quarter with the Greatest Royal Rumble, 60 million. <laughs> so the point I'm making is for each one is about a $50 million jump <laughs> in revenue for the kind of the quarters with the Saudi Arabia shows. Which is mental <laughs> to see that level of jump, and uh, so like at the start as well, they were talking about how, uh, like, if you see by these numbers, that like, it's record-setting numbers for WWE over a year, and like it's just a little thing of even though like attendance may be down, it may seem like interest is down financially. WWE having an amazing year. If you are an investor, just trust us; we know what we're doing. My kind of worry is: are they relying on Saudi Arabia way too much for their profit? So what happens next? Again, to do with like American business, Saudi Arabia have got their hands in a lot more than you probably realise. <laughs> they are. If just just search it up, you'll see. I don't want to go into it too much because this is a network thing, but it is kind of relevant to that WWE's quarter earnings came out. But yes, that's a quick rundown of all that. Uh, you can, if you want more information, it is easily findable if you just Google uh, WWE quarter four earnings conference if you google that if, like results will come up from various websites or just random folk on twitter that's what brought it my attention like there's people who have liked tweets of other people <laughs> talking about it oh why isn't this come on my feed i follow the right people for this <laughs> why did it not come up yeah anyway so i found that quite interesting it's <laughs> just the clear jump of, co- of course the other thing as well i think in both of the quarters with the jump that is when they do their european tours as well so that is kind of important, and I and my brain, my memory's so gone. I have no idea when the Super Showdown was. I cannot remember for the life of me. <laughs> the big issue is after I watched the global, uh, global, well, I watched the greatest Royal Rumble. God, why is this show? <laughs> I've done so much when this is the one I'm not editing. 
<laughs> I edit the other ones, but I don't start this often <laughs> during them. But yeah, so the for the greatest Royal Rumble, I watched that one show, and I was like, right, well, if the others are gonna be like that, but then what's the? It's a waste of time. <laughs> Just it's half canon, half not canon. What is canon doesn't really change that much of the grand scheme of things. And it's ultimately just a waste of time, and it's essentially just a glorified house show, which is nothing wrong. Like for a glorified house show, there's nothing wrong with that. Like the Australia was a great example of a glorified house show. It's just that in terms of my investment, like I have no need to watch this. Like good for the people of Australia, and people, I guess the people of Saudi Arabia as well. They like, they got to enjoy a show, and they seemed to enjoy it. That does not mean I'm going to enjoy a four or five hour show, which there's no need for me to watch. <laughs> That's my stance on it. Uh, there's also the controversy. So um, also, so the I'll get. I don't know. I'm it it now because it kind of relates. So I don't have to talk about it later. But uh, on NXT this week, there was Mansoor, who I recognised from the Greatest Royal Rumble. So he was one of the uh, Saudi Arabian talent that they brought out to beat up Davari and Davari. Yeah, <laughs> trying to remember the Triple Five Live guys' names. Like, oh yeah, that's why they came out together. But yeah, so the Davaris came out and uh, the Saudi Arabian people. That the youngsters that they got there, they beat them up and they got the nice cheer and it's kind of like a filler segment. So Monsoor was one of those guys and he debuted. And what I found interesting is that on the commentary, it felt like this didn't feel comfortable enough saying the name Saudi Arabia on a WWE product yet, which I find interesting because they, it's, pretty, it's pretty much been said and guaranteed that there is going to be a third Saudi Arabia show this year from WWE. And I'm, I was what I knew that watching NXT this week when I saw saw him, I was like, oh no, surprise! Yeah, I remember his hair being glorious. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about his name from this match. It's like he sold well enough. <laughs> he looked like he got the shit beaten out of him, uh, but his hair was glorious. <laughs> but I find it interesting that they WWE the commentary they didn't feel comfortable to say the the name Saudi Arabia, ever of course with the controversy, and they've got a show coming up later this year. Well, how are they going to promote what they're going to do? <laughs> are they just going to pull a crown jewel and just not mention the name of the country and hope nobody cares? Like he'll still get booed, I'm assuming. Just, uh, just like with crown jewel, like it'll take. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to go on a whole other tangent. <laughs> it's not. It's not probably not worth it. I just found that an interesting point. They've got. They're doing another show, but they still don't feel comfortable to say the name of the country on air. So, what's going to change between now and May? I'm assuming if it's the same time. Uh, I can't predict that. It's only three months, though. I feel like there's not enough time for the wound to heal. Especially like, in the eyes of the fans. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Alright, so before we get to NXT, I'm moving on now from the uh, from the <laughs> whole thing to do with quarterlies and maybe the influence of the Saudi Arabia thing. So yeah, again, if you're interested in that thing, just Google the information I told you to. You'll find out more information. Uh, at the weekend, there was the Worlds Collides event first. There was another event, obviously. So the Worlds Collide, which was a battle royal, which then the order you got eliminated from the battle royal then determined who you faced in the knockout tournament following. I mean, it's a fun way to do it. They did it at Access, and for me, that set up like a really fun tournament. That's what this was. It was light-hearted fun. It wasn't something to get super invested in, and the outcome really mattered. Even though the outcome did feed into NXT this week, so I find that interesting. But the uh, ultimate winner, just to blast through it all, yeah, the final was Tyler Bate from NXT UK faced Velveteen Dream from NXT and now I'm realising not actually explained what Worlds Collide is. <laughs> so just in case you don't know, Worlds Collide is NXT, 205 Live and NXT UK. 
So it was representatives from those three brands all in that battle royal, then they all faced each other, and voila. So Velveteen Dream won after defeating Tyler Bate in the final. So Velveteen Dream got a championship match of his choice, which fed into the start of NXT this week, which I'll get to in a second, because there was also Halftime Heat, which I want to quickly talk about, because Velveteen Dream was also the star there. Maybe we should have started Halftime Heat, after realising how well that World Collide bit just immediately slipped into NXT. Ugh. Anyway, so Halftime Heat, which aired during Halftime of the Super Bowl, I was not awake. I was asleep when that happened. I'm English. I don't watch the Super Bowl. There are lots of people in England who do watch the Super Bowl, by the way. It is the it is a known thing. It's just not a huge mainstream thing that everybody does, <laughs> obviously, like America is. So, for me, I don't follow American football. I tried. It wasn't for me. That's all I can say. <laughs> I gave it a go. <laughs> I did try to get into it. But I don't, so I don't watch the Super Bowl, so this didn't really mean anything to me. So I was able to just watch it like it was a normal thing, like NXT UK. And it was a, a really good match. It was, it had a, such a different feel being A, in the performance centre, B, with all the NXT people in the crowd. It felt like they kind of like a family show in a way. <laughs> it was had a really nice feel about it. And of course, I put on an amazing match. Velveteen Dream just oozing that amazing, that special aura as <laughs> you walked out in your Super Bowl gear. Uh, Ricochet got to show off his athleticism. Everyone kind of got their time to look badass, just to put it in a way, like the Johnny Badass stuff, and Adam Cole with his son, with his, oh, I forgot what he called, where he jumps off the top rope and then he hits a Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> that, that used to be his finish on the indies, but obviously it's too indie-rific for WWE, so he pulls it out on special occasions. That's phrasing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the match was really, really good. If you've not watched the Halftime Heat match, uh, the six-man tag match, I highly recommend it. It was just... Yeah, it was it was like they knew they've got a tight time frame to do it in, and let's do the best match we possibly can in this tight time frame. Uh, for me, the interesting thing coming off of that was how many people watched it. According to figures, it's the most watched NXT match ever. Uh, it's done over a million or so views, and more people watched this than watched The Rock and Mankind all the way back then. Of course, the big difference being there's a lot more ways to watch it nowadays. You didn't have to either catch it or record it like you would back then with The Rock and Mankind. People watch it on YouTube or on the network or on Facebook or whatever. So it was much, much easier to find and watch and it was available in multiple places. But it did really well. That's the that's the main point. It's the most watched NXT match. It was watched by a lot of people. So win all around, I'd say. And Velveteen Dream came out as the star, in a way. <laughs> that was, that was, when I was watching it, that's how I felt. Everyone looked awesome. Uh, Alistair Black, his kicks looked devastating, as always, as well. Uh, Adam Cole was just this guy who could get the win out of nowhere. Ricochet's got amazing athleticism. But Velveteen Dream, just there's something about the way he just took the spotlight. And for me, that's a big test. In a multi-man match, with multiple people in it, Are you? do you stand out at all just by being you? And Velveteen Dream did. So that's a really interesting thing for the future. But that does feed into NXT, so we're going to quickly slide into NXT and the results courtesy of J. Cole on Lots of Pain, which I've been using for every one of my shows. So, first off, we have the link to the thing beforehand, which would have worked so well, but I had to do half-time heat. <laughs> oh, I'll know for next time. So we had uh, Gargano came out with uh, someone in the crowd with a Gar uh, Johnny Champion sign. Johnny Gargano like that. Does a little speech in the ring. When out comes Champa. The body says is kind of it doesn't really matter. So Champa comes out and they kind of do their little thing. Champa's still being a bit of a puppet in a way, puppet master in a way. 
talking about how he and Gargano like on a similar wavelength and Gargano saying no I did not walk out to show to you that we that we we did this it wasn't our moment I was showing that I don't need you to succeed <laughs> which is my thing is I would love it if Gargano and Ciampa seem to looks like they're getting along and then it turns out Gargano never forgave Ciampa who was actually trying to get close to him so he could hurt him even more or something like that I suggested that last week <laughs> I thought it was awesome Jake all seemed to like it but then out came Velveteen Dream, who of course won Worlds Collide, and he has got the choice of facing whoever, whichever champion he wants. And oh, what a coincidence! Both the new North American champion and NXT champion happen to be there. So who does Velveteen Dream choose? And they obviously play off of that and make you assume he's going to pick Delmasso with Champa again because they had that match. But no, Velveteen Dream instead chooses Johnny Gargano. Why? He explained a bit, but I still didn't quite make sense <laughs> to me. It's like, why would he not want the top title? All right, then, I guess he... It's Velveteen Dream, he's, he's got his reasons, and you believe him, because he's so good at delivering those reasons, <laughs> even if technically those reasons are a bit... Okay, they are fine. <laughs> but it's NXT. It's not like with the main roster WWE, where they go, that makes no sense. With NXT, it's like, ah, I mean, I guess it's fine. <laughs> it's not out of this world illogical. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, uh, so that is set up, I'm assuming. I don't know. I think that might be... Uh, TV tapes match I try and avoid spoilers but maybe that match have, it feels like it's been announced way too early to be a takeover thing like it, <laughs> takeovers all the way at Wrestlemania and if they announce this now that's a lot of build to get to for Dream Gargano I'm expecting Dream Gargano to be a NXT TV match that's what I'm saying by using my Wrestlemania's miles away logic <laughs> so that's, that's that but yeah alright opening segment Getting everyone invested. It, sets, it feels like it's set up proceedings for NXT going forward with the men's main event. Like, this is the first part of whatever's going to happen. And I feel like Ricochet's going to be in there somehow. Uh, Adam Cole, maybe Alistair Black. Like, all those people that we saw on Halftime Heat. I feel like whatever the story ends up, they're all going to be relevant. Be it that's going into North America title or be it NXT or having a singles match. Like, those six people facing each other and kind of rotating in a way. It's like, yeah, I'll be fine with that. Yeah. Then next up we had uh, Jason, uh, Jason Riker, Jackson Riker of the Forgotten Sons. <laughs> forgot the name for a second. Uh, Jackson defeated Monsoor. I've already talked about, uh, well, I, I was impressed with his, with his hair and his selling. Uh, I keep forgetting that Gunner from TNA is in NXT. <laughs> so if you don't know, Jackson Riker was in NXT. It was in TNA as Gunner. Kind of self-explanatory that bit. But yeah, so... Jackson Biker, which was this was kind of make him look like a badass, and Munsor did that. That's why I said he, Jackson Biker looked like he beat the shit off Munsor, which means Munsor did something right. <laughs> that takes two to dance in wrestling, uh, but yeah, Jackson Biker getting angry and then hitting his finisher on Munsor again, yeah, like a chokeslam version of what Matt Bloom or Albert used to do, just the lift and sit down slam thing I've not explained that very well <laughs> if you've seen it, if those, those of you who've seen the move know exactly what I'm on about those of you who haven't are just like I can't picture that Matt <laughs> that means nothing to me it's like oh, fine it doesn't matter <laughs> it's fine it's a slam finisher thing but yeah I've still not really sold on the Forgotten Sons uh, they were talking about them going for the tag team championships and after watching that I was like you know what uh, there's something about the group which just doesn't I don't know Gunner maybe could work as the muscle person who you fear will get a push because he was what you think WWE might want and he could play off of that. Like with with Eva Marie, but just that part of Eva Marie's gimmick. (laughs) Like you were afraid she was the kind of person they'd want, therefore she would get the push. Just that part, nothing else. 
<laughs> but they're not really playing enough of that. It's just the he is the baddie. He's a, oh, he's angry at society for forgetting him. Oh. It's like the best villains are right, and I kind of I like that idea of the like the veterans angry at society forgetting about them. I like that idea. It's just that that doesn't mean I find the people portraying it interesting. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Something about the whole kind of package, like the whole deal, like the wrestlers and the gimmick. I just don't care. And if they get called up to the main roster, I'm not really going to care. So that's why I was thinking in my head, what if you changed it a little bit to make Jackson Riker to play off that? But the current gimmick, I'm not really invested. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. Nothing. It's just not clicking with me. It could be a personal thing. Maybe I just don't like those kind of gimmicks. Anyway, so next up, uh, Kathy Kelly is stalking Ricochet whilst Ricochet's in a photo shoot, trying to get an interview with him. Uh, Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era interject. Uh, and then Ricochet comes in as well and talks his stuff. And now a match is set up between the two. It <laughs> does that. I could beat you. Prove it. Okay, then. It wasn't that nice, but that's essentially the gist of it. So, yeah, we got Ricochet versus Cole coming up again. Their takeover match was really, really good. And their interactions on Halftime Heat was all, were also really good. So, yeah. So, thumb up for Ricochet versus Cole. <laughs> Always. They two have seemed to have amazing chemistry. Uh, speaking of chemistry, next was the debut of the winter. <laughs> Drew Gulak came to NXT. He isn't the debut of the Switch. So he is from 25 Live for some reason in NXT. I was trying to figure out whilst watching this if this was a permanent move for Gulak or uh, maybe not, if not permanent, maybe a recurring thing, but I couldn't really tell. It was at least for this episode. He was going to come and help to NXT, just like he's come and made a better 205 Live. And uh, the interesting thing wasn't Gulak. It was the man they got to be the man he def- he beat up who <laughs> he defeated who was his jobber and oh my god I loved the hell out of this twat <laughs> top notch jobber so uh, Eric Bugenhagen or Bug- Bug- I don't know I've seen Bugenhagen <laughs> he comes out and he hits a high pitched note scream kind of thing and he's got the rocky guitar thing and they describe him as mixed between was it Steve Tyler and Freddie Mercury like no <laughs> I wouldn't say no he reminded me of Sacha Baron Cohen and... Ooh, I can't remember who. But Gulak made a funny comment about him later. So yeah, so this match, I, I found that Bugenhagen really weird and interesting. He was doing a whole rocker thing in the NXT crowd. Like, Full Sail went mental for him. <laughs> like, this is really rare for essentially a no, a, pers- a name they do not know. And he he's essentially a jobber coming to get beaten up by not just a guy they do know, but a guy who's not normally on NXT. He's on 205 Live. He's a level above NXT in a way and this guy got an amazing reaction and he's just doing his high pitched note he's doing his air guitar <laughs> he's doing that he gets into the he's just giving it so much charisma <laughs> and then he gets into the ring and he starts playing piano on the ropes well if he's a rock give it a keyboard on it he's playing the keyboard on the ropes <laughs> it's just oh, he's doing the miming drums as well <laughs> he's just like oh god this is uh, <laughs> I really like this <laughs> as it as a top-notch jobber <laughs> kind of thing. The best part is he didn't even really hit any moves. He punched Gulak a couple of times, but then he got into like the abdominal stretch and just played guitar on him. So that was like the top. <laughs> that was the peak of his offense was a couple of punches. <laughs> and then he went into... like His main move was an air guitar thing. Was, like, I'd love... For me, like a top-notch jobber like this, if he has moves but none of them are offensive, <laughs> in a way, I'm not going to do any damage. Just the crowd love the stuff he does. Like Big E spanking someone, that's not actually <laughs> doing any damage. 
Uh, but he has moves anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, eventually Gulag gets him in the dragon sleeper, like like locks him in with the legs and he taps out or whatever. But Bugenhagen made an, am- an amazing impression. Uh, a little bit that wasn't on NXT, but the NXT account uh, on Twitter did release the footage of like a two-minute clip of... Because um, the crowd were cheering for an encore. <laughs> After his entrance, <laughs> he did a little encore performance, which I thought was pretty, <laughs> quite funny. With good, like, just pulling the face, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but he, uh, he apparently got called back out again for an encore properly. And he was like, fire proper, fire public demand. Here is an encore of Eric Bugenhagen. <laughs> now he came out again to the entire thing. And, uh, like, Caleb Braxton, the ring announcer of NXT, she also joined in with the air guitar and things. And they did, like, did it for, like, a full two minutes. And it was actually really entertaining. <laughs> the crowd loved it. Apparently, Caleb really loved it as well. It's like, yeah, maybe they've got this generation's best jobber. <laughs> like I was watching this thinking, I reckon half the, half the people are going to absolutely hate this guy and half the people are going to absolutely love him. <laughs> For me, I, yeah, I, I loved it. So after the match, Gulak does a rant. It's like, I've come down here and you give me Ben Stiller from Dodgeball. <laughs> I thought, that is an amazing comparison. <laughs> yes. So he calls out for stronger competition when out of the tight drum plays. Bro. And now comes Riddle. And uh, they have an amazing, uh, a striking, submission-y, grapply, suplexy match. <laughs> to put it nice and simply. Uh, I'd recommend watching this match. Uh, this week is actually really difficult for the two. If you have, if I, because I, the little thing I normally do with this format is I pick one match for you to definitely watch. Uh, but I've got quite a few this week. Middle with Gulak, generally thought it was a really great match. But I'll also be honest, my brother was talking to me the entire time this match was on about how on earth we were going to divide three pasties between four people. How are we going to do this match? I'm, I'm watching the thing for the show. <laughs> so I'll be honest, I did miss a bit of this match. <laughs> but for what I saw, really enjoyed it, would recommend it for watch. I need, basically, yes, I need to watch it again because <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I just got constantly interrupted. Just like, just to split them into four. I don't know. <laughs> uh. And that took us to the main event where there were no pasty issues. Uh, a six-woman tag, Ayo Shirai, Kari Sane and Bianca Belair facing Shayna Baszler, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir. And yes, if you listen to my former shows, you know I cannot remember those names. And yes, I have written them down. <laughs> I don't know what it is. For some reason, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir, I can never remember their names. And I've got no idea why. I, I just can't. <laughs> so I've written them down. And like a true professional probably would. Uh, Anyway, so, interestingly for me, like my first point, uh, Bianca Belair in this match, it felt like she was probably reserved for Dakota Kai until she got injured and now Bianca's kind of getting part of her story. However, they're feeding it into the number one contenders thing, so they twisted it, and I really like that. So that'll come into play, I'll talk about that when we get to the ending of the main event. But the other thing was, uh, the some of the chants for the NXT crowd I found a bit interesting. Uh, first of all, You Can't Wrestle being the chanted at Jasmine Duke. Which my immediate thought was, that's chance being done to someone in NXT. You mean someone in developmental needs development? <laughs> Good God, <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, so, yeah, it's like, with the chance of you can't wrestle, I was like, well, good thing she's in developmental learning then. <laughs> that's, I, found that a bit, I found that odd. Like, of all the places to hear that chant, I don't think I've heard it in NXT before, because the entire purpose of NXT is to help you along that path and teach you for... Has NXT changed in a way where you're expecting top-notch wrestling console? I don't know. I found that interesting, a chant to hear in NXT. 
but anyway, so the match itself was actually really good. He got the heels maintaining momentum, and they're just, the face is unable to make the tag, and eventually they are. They get the momentum back. Uh, uh, Aisha Rai spending quite a lot of time not in this match and jumping about eventually. Uh, same with Kari Sane. Uh, Bianca Belair now and then showing her strength. Awesome tag team with Kari Sane, just showing how strong she is. It's lifting her up. But the interest came from the end of the match. So with uh, Duke and Shafir and Baszler kind of just keeping the person in the corner and just beating them up uh, in an ugly fashion, not very flashy at all. Eventually they get back into the match. Uh, Belair steals Shirai's hot tag and uh, beats them up and stuff and that all goes really well. Kairi Sane jumps to the outside. Then Shirai steals Belair from being able to win the match and then she hits the moonsault or beautiful moonsault beauty moonsault whatever it's called by Shavai. it's amazing <laughs> moonsault uh, she hits her moonsault on Baszler and wins and uh, Belair's like what? <laughs> anyway, like, and the Kairi gets into the ring and her and Shavai are jumping about all over the place celebrating and Kairi Sane is trying to get Belair to <laughs> celebrate with her like we won we won yay and Belair's like Hey. whilst giving a real stink eye to Shirai who's <laughs> like yes nice little for WWE this is subtle storytelling but yeah again this episode was laying the groundwork to the future and I felt that did it really well we're either getting Shirai versus Belair later or this is directly feeding into the NXT Championship match so again intri- intrigue I'm interested to see where this is going also a little note uh, in her attempt to get Belair to cheer, Kari Sane grabbed Belair's hair and started swinging it around her head. <laughs> that was amazing. And Belair like immediately snapped it back. Like no, <laughs> it's, like, it's like oh you're you're amazing, Kari. <laughs> that was hilarious. Right, so that's the end of NXT this week. I might have to do by show which match do I recommend you watch? <laughs> Just because there's so much I enjoy. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the main event for what it was. Uh, it had a, I guess, slow middle, but that's because they were kind of taking the momentum away on purpose to, to get across the kind of ugly nature of the heels. But the ending was nice and white hot, added a nice narrative as well. Uh, Riddle versus Gulak, that is your wrestler, <laughs> spelt apostrophe R A S S E L E R. Wrestler. <laughs> that's your wrestler match of the week. Uh, yeah, great episode of NXT again, flowed really, really well. Which is kind of a different, something different for the current kind of format for the WWE Network shows is before it was way too much with two NXT shows so two NXT UK shows and then 205 Live and then NXT itself all in one day that was way too much even though I liked the package uh, admittedly it was just too much compared to this one where I get 205 Live on a uh, I get to watch that on a Wednesday the same day I watch Smackdown and then on a Thursday today I watch NXT UK and NXT it's like, it worked, flows so much better but if NXT Japan springs up and NXT Arabia and NXT China, NXT Germany, Germany I think was another one in talks. <laughs> it's just like, if they all spring up, I'm not going to be able to watch all of them. <laughs> I'm going to have to either sacrifice them or just choose not to watch them. I'll be interested to see what they do. I'll watch NXT Japan, maybe. I don't know, it depends what it looks like. like. If the thing about all AJPW, Noah and Wrestle One are joining together to make a thing... That actually is true. It's like, oh, that's very interesting. So the climate might change dramatically. Dramatically? That's the word. Might change dramatically <laughs> over these uh, next little while. Uh, but anyway, that's the end of NXT. Before I talk about 205 Live and NXT UK, I'm going to take a quick little ad break to pay for everything here. I'm lots of pain. So I've seen about five seconds or so after you hear a lovely advert about a person who wants some loan insurance money things. <laughs> Let's go with that. Uh, soon about five seconds. 
and welcome back to Perfect Ten Wrestling with myself, The Implications. <laughs> I've never done a return so formal as that. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, I won't do it again. <laughs> so, uh, 205 Live results off of Laws of Pain courtesy of Clive and the Ricky and Clive show, or 205 Clive to our lovely Laws of Pain audience. And before getting to this, there is currently a, a tournament happening in the Laws of Pain columns forum where it's a mixture of main page writers from Laws of Pain and the people in the Connors Forum, which is kind of like our developmental or the NXT to Laws of Pain, which is which is a huge thing which I highly recommend. <laughs> I love the idea that at Laws of Pain, instead of trying to grab writers from elsewhere or get them from outside, we develop them ourselves within the system. I just really like that idea. Uh, it, pretty much everyone you see on that main page went through the columns forum, me included. Before I, when I signed up in 2016, I hadn't written a single column in my life. <laughs> then I learned and I got better and no, look at me, hooray. Anyway, there's a tournament happening in the columns forum called the King uh, King of the Columnist. <laughs> Too many gays for me to figure out at midnight. Yes, yeah, so the King of the Columnist. <laughs> I've said it once, it'll do. Uh, yeah, so that tournament's taking place and the results of the first round should be in first. But that means you can read all of the first round columns right now. It's a single knockout tournament, so you're given a topic, you write about it. I got Japan. I also got a word limit. I was very conscious of the word limit. I think it shows. <laughs> but uh, hopefully it wasn't shit. <laughs> Actually, just, I'm a little insider thing if you do go and read it. So I wrote about Kushida and him kind of leaving. Until that day, I hadn't watched the match. I didn't know half of the statistics in it. <laughs> so, uh, And I wrote the thing on the de- like the day of the deadline, so I just did it as quickly as I could. And then... So I bashed that out. Also conscious that I didn't want to burn myself out because Monday I had to do my main page column. <laughs> so uh, I didn't spend much time on it. Uh, I've not read all of the um, responses yet. <laughs> so I need to see. I need to go back because uh, the way the columns are working, the way they're all, especially in a tournament setting, is uh, people just say what they think about it and they'll uh, either criticise it or not. But I've not had the time to go and read my responses yet. So I'll find out <laughs> how I did with my last minute. <laughs> God, I might check after the show. Maybe respond. <laughs> or read other people's. I need to do that. Anyway, go to the thing. The 16 writers. I'm in I'm in the tournament. Sir Sam's in the tournament. Uh, 25 Clive talked about this in the tournament. Also people who aren't necessarily in uh, known for laws of pain work like uh, Jeremy Donovan from the Social Suplex or the uh, King of Strong Style podcast. He's also taking part in the tournament. And we've got New people as well, new to the forums who just entered and we were like, yeah, good. <laughs> it was open. <laughs> Everybody joined. So that's currently taking place and that's a long enough a plug. I've rambled. <laughs> so, 205 Live. Results courtesy of Clive on Laws of Pain. Right, Brian Kendrick faced Mike Kanellis in the opener. Uh, Maria was on commentary and Nigel McGuinness was delighted. <laughs> he he looks so happy. Uh, if you haven't yet, watch his documentary on the WWE Network. It is really, really good. Because... Uh, when I started watching you know, Ring of Honor like, for the first time, he, it was him, Daniel Bryan, uh, Hideo Itami as Kenta. Like, those guys were the main event of uh, Ring of Honor. And that what he was, what he was talking about on the documentaries, like, that's when I first started getting in. So it was, it's an era that I know a bit about, but was also like just a bit before me. <laughs> so I found that really interesting. And his whole Desmond Wolfing and TNA both, he made an amazing impact, and I was like, this is the next star that's going to be there with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. And then, obviously, you see what happened. So, it's really interesting. I've really enjoyed watching that, especially as I was watching his work at the time. Anyway, so, Brian Kendrick defeated Mike Kanellis. Maria was on commentary. <laughs> no, no, I didn't think it is, it was a static. Uh, yeah, so, um, it was alright. It was very, very slow. 
with Mike Kennedy being the dominant heel, I think I talked about the, the well, a lot of the things I would say that I said about the NXT main event where it felt slow, but that was the heel kind of being dominant and you're waiting for the babyface to do a thing or something like that. And that's essentially what happened. Mike Kinellis was on top for the entire match, pretty slow, and then Adam Owen buying Kendrick hits the sliced bread for the win. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you've not, if you've only, if you don't really watch 205 Live and you only catch it up on my show, uh, Brian Kendrick is very different now. He's shaved his head, he's gone back to his previous look that he had when he was much, much younger, a decade ago. And everyone's immediate reaction when he did it was like, it looks identical. That's that's insane. It's been ten years. <laughs> it looks exactly the same. So good for you, Brian Kendrick. It looks identical ten years on. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Brian Kendrick defeated Mike Kanellis. There's not really much to say again. Brian Kendrick was just the babyface getting beaten up and then hit a move and won. Uh, <laughs> not really much to say. Uh, I feel like it went on for quite a while. Like that. It felt like the kind of show which maybe they could have had two short matches rather than one long one and then the main event. I don't know. Maybe they're only allowed to pay six people a show. <laughs> Next up, uh, we have the main event. Like We've got some more video packages and building things, but really it's straight to the main event where the winner faces Buddy Murphy at Elimination Chamber for the Cruiserweight Championship. Put way better by Drake Maverick, who's like been so good for 205 Live. <laughs> say, it, say it every time. I'm really proud. I'm really, uh, I was going to say proud, but... <laughs> a proud Englishman watching his fellow Englishman kick ass on American television uh, anyway so the main event Fatal 4-Way number one contenders match between Cedric Alexander Akira Tozawa Humberto Carrillo and Leo Rush so Alexander I feel like as champion he seemed to lose a bit of momentum and when he lost the title it felt like the right time or like one of the right times uh, Akira Tozawa he's been slowly built up and he feels like a decent winner. He won, by the way. <laughs> a little bit of um, spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, so Akira Kazawa has been slowly built up. I don't know if this spot would have gone maybe Hideo if he'd not left. <laughs> I'm not really sure what the plan was. Because the match at Royal Rumble seemed to be entirely built around Hideo Itami's, like the big final boss of the of all of them. He was what the match was built around. And him leaving is. I don't know, it's interesting. Hideo Itami seems to be built up for this role. Maybe he would have been in that match instead of Humberto. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, and then we had Humberto Carrillo, who had that match against uh, Buddy Murphy, wasn't it? As the like the mystery opponent. <laughs> my, my, my brain just turned off. Uh, yeah, so he came out and the crowd didn't really seem to care. The match was all right. It was okay. Uh, and then he had a match against Grand Metalik the week after, which, again, for me, didn't get out of fine and okay. Uh, the multi-man match is kind of where a lot of these people will shine. As in, it's a guaranteed fun match. So especially if they are going on after SmackDown, the four the four man matches work really, really well. And of course, I've not seen one bad one from the Grizzlies. They've always been fun. Uh, yeah, and Humberto he fit in really well in this one. We well, fit in fine. He didn't. Again, he didn't shine out like I was talking about with Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream has this aura, and he stood out amongst the multiple men. Humberto Carrillo just kind of fit in and slotted in like he vessel his stuff I think part of it is that I'll talk about this with Figaro and Andrews but it's something about the Lucha style for me where if there's a way so there's a certain way to do the Lucha style and there's one way where they do all the Lucha stuff but it doesn't feel like there's much of an impact to the moves that they're doing and I don't really care for that style of Lucha uh, there are other Lucha wrestlers who like Rey Mysterio is really really good at the doing that and also make, making it have an impact as well uh, Pentagon Phoenix putting the athleticism in with the hard hitting wrestling stuff but Humberto maybe he might fit in 
<laughs> in the Lucha style where it's like there's not much of an impact to it. I don't know, there's something missing with his wrestling. But then Leo Rush, I think Leo Rush is an amazing example of someone who does all the high-flying moves and all of them have amazing impact. <laughs> like, it feels like his five-star fox splash does knock the wind out of you, as, just as an example. So, uh, interesting story of this match, where Leo Rush had an amazing like first third or quarter to this match, where he absolutely dominated. Oh, by the way, this match did take over the entire second half of the show. <laughs> so that was nice, just to get a nice long four-person match, uh, which was just fast-paced madness. But yeah, so Leo Rush had a really impressive showing over the first part, and then he got eliminated first. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I thought you might win. <laughs> and he's first to go. Uh, but yeah, he looked really impressive, which I thought was an interesting idea. Where if you're eliminating him first, like, in case, if he's not winning, then it, it was interesting to see him eliminated first, but he, got, he was the one dominating before he got eliminated, which I thought was, yeah, that's an interesting way to book it. Uh, next up was Humberto Carrillo, who was... Akira Tozawa was on the top rope at the corner, and then Kirito climbed up to the, onto the rope next to him. When Tozawa kicked the legs from under him, and then he bounced off of the rope and face first onto the mat, and then sent on from Tozawa. A nice little sequence, I thought, to get rid of Kirito. Which, yeah, Kirito, uh, he had an alright showing in this one. Again, this is, I might put this as his best performance, which is good to see, like an improvement. But of course, like, if it might be really young as well. <laughs> like he worked really well with Al Mendoza so I'm kind of surprised they've not brought them in as a package as well but then maybe you've got two luchas <laughs> so what will be the difference between them or the others I don't I don't know what the thinking is <laughs> I liked Carrillo and Mendoza Carrillo by himself feels like it needs work or whatever and then the final two Akira Tozawa and Cedric Alexander a nice back and forth if it really felt like Tozawa had maybe lost it at one point but then Alexander comes straight back in uh, Tozawa hits a sequence of really hard hitting German suplexes and then I think he hit a senton for the win but I can't remember <laughs> so but yeah Tozawa won everybody yeah, a, a bit of an anti-climax so I forgot the result but yeah so I forgot how he won today. but yes Tozawa is the number one contender and we're facing Buddy Murphy at the Elimination Chamber knowing WWE's track record this would probably be on the pre-show Although in these matches where in these cards sorry, where there's a match taking up multiple people, there's a bigger chance that he'll end up on the show. But though again, Elimination Chamber takes longer. They weren't on the Rumble. <laughs> Rumble's long enough. It was five hours. Anyway, great great main event. Really really fun. This is why it's very difficult for me to choose my match of the week because you've got your awesome fast paced chaos match, which was really fun in that one. You've got your wrestler match in uh, Riddle versus uh, Gulak, and then. In NXT UK, you've also got your big lads match. <laughs> so, it's like, if there's, I think I'll do it like that. For this week, on each show, there was a match I'd recommend, and each one fills a different criteria. Whichever one you want, you prefer, watch that one. You want your fast-paced chaos, watch the Cruiserweight main event. You want your wrestling, <laughs> go watch uh, NXT. And if you want two big lads doing big lad wrestling, watch NXT UK. So let's talk about that, shall we? Uh, NXT UK! We had one, two, three, four, five matches. I just counted them. That was all right. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. So first off, we had a live from the Empress Ballroom still, as the days were where the taping took place. We had El Ligero facing Mark Andrews in the opening match. A nice little lucha match. Uh, for me, this was what I was talking about with Carrillo, where there were lots of flips and things, but none of them felt impactful. And I was just like, uh, I don't know. It's just a personal preference. I can watch the flippy things, but it comes to a point where... I feel like I'm being desensitised to it because I'm seeing it so often. Like, I used to absolutely love the reverse Rana. 
when it, when I first saw it, maybe about two, three years ago, I thought it was amazing. Uh, I think Neville hit it on Kevin Owens once on Monday Night Raw, and it was just like that was insane. <laughs> that move. When I saw it on the Indies, or if I saw it in New Japan as well, it was like that was an, an insane move. But now I've like in this week alone in WWE, I've seen it in two different matches. Like in one week, <laughs> I've seen it twice. Uh, I say if I'm not forgetting seeing it on Raw or SmackDown, but just on these three shows on. Two of these shows, there was a reverse runner, and it's just that thing of it's happening so often that that move I've been sensitised to it. It's not as bad as a suicide dive, where that's just it, that's quite athletic, quite dangerous, but it gets nothing because you just desensitised to it. Uh, same with the reverse runner. Used to love that move. Now it's just uh, fine. I guess everybody does it. <laughs> it's, just, it's lost its sting in a way. You can still hit it really well with a. It, that's another thing as well. If you hit it at the perfect time of the momentum of the match. It can still feel devastating. It's just that I see it a lot. <laughs> Sorry, it has lost its impact. Ah. But anyway, yes, this was a fine, quick pace opening match. Um, it, just, it was, yeah, if you like flippy stuff, you'll like this match. I was, I thought it was all right. <laughs> thing. Uh, next up, we got the match between possibly the most two, the two biggest bubbly personalities. I'm trying to find a way to describe it. They did it really well on Commentary in the UK. But yeah, both personalities, really bubbly and upbeat. As I watched Side versus Candy Floss, one with bright blue hair, one with bright pink hair. It's like, oh, the colours. <laughs> it's such a colourful match. Uh, yeah, and they had a respectful match between the two of them, two uh, young competitors, and Jai Side won with a. Um, oh, she grabbed the arms and pulled her off the top rope. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Um, yeah, it felt impactful enough to win the match. Zybrook side won. The crowd seems to be getting more more behind Zybrook side, which is uh, cool to see for such a young competitor. Sometimes they struggle to thrive, but Jai has kind of taken to it really well so far, and the crowd are respecting that back to her. <laughs> I don't know why I struggled so much to find the words for that. Uh, after the match, Ripley cometh. Uh, Ray Ripley stormed out to her metal music and destroyed the two chirpy. Well, you can't say chirpy chappies, can you? Chirpy chicks. <laughs> that sounds. Uh, the two competitors chirpy competitors there we go <laughs> destroyed the two chirpy competitors and just yeah devastating in her destruction uh, then Tony Storm comes out for the save they have a little bit of a brawl but then Ripley gets the final note uh, I think she went through the Riptide but ended up just doing like a gut wrench slam thing unless that is the Riptide <laughs> maybe I've got a bad memory uh, yeah so then Ripley stood tall with her metal music playing and looking like a badass yeah, and that was the end of that. You can see the Triple H oozing out of Ripley. <laughs> but, yeah, I I like Ripley in the sense of uh, I can see... To say that she's that young and she's that good, yeah, I'm really excited for the future. NXT UK is a great place for her because it's not main NXT where she, it's like a huge spotlight. But it's NXT UK where there's a big enough spotlight to have that importance, but not too big that it's NXT and you're expected to put on amazing matches come take over. This is a good level for, uh, for her to develop and she's developing really really well so the yeah, it's the UK women's division developing really nicely so as I said Jaya seems to show really good development between the last tapies and this one which is a really short space of time <laughs> thinking about it uh, didn't get to see much of Candy Floss she uh, was on the receiving end of a lot of offence really and Jaya won so maybe in the future Candy Floss you're also young so <laughs> there's plenty of time really look at NXT UK realise how young especially their women's division is it's like Good God, they're, they're that good <laughs> at that age. It's like looking at Tyler Bate and like, why are you so good when you're so young? Oh, I hate you. <laughs> Being so talented. Uh, right, 
on the opposite of hatred. Joseph Connors, representing Nottingham, as a former song from Nottingham, I will not hear a bad word about him. <laughs> so Joseph Connors defeated wild boar Mike Hitchman. Uh, I've always found his name interesting, Mike Hitchman. That's not the name, that's not a fearful name, <laughs> Mike Hitchman. But then he's called Wild Boy, he comes out with the black eyes, he's got the spikes, all the little horns, whatever they are, on his jacket top thing. <laughs> it's like, ah, you, you don't look like a Mike Hitchman. <laughs> there's, something, there's something odd about it. But yeah, if it's Wild Boar, um, yeah. Yeah, so this was a relatively slow back and forth match in a way. I thought it was two heels, but they played off uh, the wild boar as the babyface, and it seemed to work. But in the end, Joseph Connors gets the better of him and wins. Yeah, building up Connors as a smart heel, I guess in a way like he doesn't. I guess like I've seen um, the same criticism we see for Jake White in a way that he doesn't wrestle in a flashy way. It's quite rough, but it's like I am a smart heel kind of way. Uh, he's wrestling his match smartly without doing anything flashy at all. Uh, that's the way. That's how I see Joseph Connors. Also, I'm from Nottingham, so I'm biased. <laughs> Next up, uh, Gallus come out with their nicely timed entrance where they seem to practice that. <laughs> they look good now when they stand there and everyone's doing their thing. Uh, Joe Coffey, with his arms folded in anger, comes out of the ring and he faces Ashton Smith. And Ashton Smith, I thought it was going to be just a straight up job match, and it's wasn't even close to being that. Ashton Smith uh, felt like he might have nearly won, <laughs> uh, but he didn't, which, which is a shame. He didn't. Uh, so Joe Coffey, it's one of those where you feel like Ashton Smith is getting some offense, but he waited for Joe Coffey to just snap and destroy him. But Ashton Smith kept coming back, and when he thought Joe Coffey uh, was about to go into that swing of momentum, Ashton Smith hit a super kick and then he won. So that kind of thing. In the end, it did happen, and Joe Coffey did end up destroying him and getting the pin. But it was a way more competitive match than I was expecting. So kudos to Smith to suddenly makes me oh crap are they going to have him lose here <laughs> but he convinced me for a second but no coffee wins so yeah and that was part one of the coffee brothers where you can see it as a coffee brothers double main event kind of <laughs> well the actual main event came, comes next with mark coffee in the ring uh, the i don't know if he's the younger or older brother of joe coffee I'm, i've don't watch enough iwc to really know that was it yeah, ICW. Oh, oh God, I'm sorry, Clive. <laughs> Forgotten the name of the promotion at midnight. Uh, the main event saw Mark Coffey facing off against Varta in the main event. I really like his entrance. Uh, I don't know if it's an English thing to prefer the slow pacing, but I would like with Walter's entrance. I love that when he stands at that entrance where he just stands there for for like the first bar of the song. <laughs> it's like yes, that's great. Just leave him there. But I think I would have left him there for like a full minute, like as um, cause as soon as it hits like the main riff, he stays there for the entire build up. Then the main riff hits, and it changes from the white background to a black black background, and he slowly starts to watch the ring. Personally, I would leave that on. I would leave the light on, or he doesn't move. Like now he's got your attention, he still doesn't move. He holds your attention before moving. I don't know. I like that. <laughs> I like that idea. So if he just stands there at the ring, obviously that takes quite a lot of time <laughs> to do his entrance. <laughs> but there's something about being so full of like just oozing power in a way, <laughs> just uh, be, to be able to do that, just hold their attention by just standing there. Is that I feel like that sends a message, and I, I thought that's what we were going to do for a second, and then they didn't, and I was like, you know what? I would have really liked it <laughs> if they did that way. He just stands there, and he's he's got that much. Or was that he just sucks you in? He just can't take your eyes off him, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> so, uh, it's a, just a personal thing. But anyway, Walter gets into the ring. Uh, Coffee holds his own for a bit. They have a big lad wrestling match, but in the end, out come the chops. Out comes the Walter drop kick. 
Uh, Walter uh, lifting and slamming him onto the apron on the outside as well. Uh, and then in the end, Walter hits the powerbomb for the win. Mark Coffey puts on a decent show. I've really, I've cut that, I've cut down that match quite a lot. <laughs> Went on for like a full ten minutes, <laughs> and I've summed it up in a very boring way. But uh, there was another let's build up Walter as an absolute badass match, and they did that to perfection. Mark Coffey put, gave it his best try, and uh, with Gallus having some kind of push as well, he wasn't a nobody uh, like last week where Walter just beat the shit out <laughs> of that poor, poor person. Who had like a massive handprint across his chest. It's like, oh. Uh, but yeah, Walter just getting across that amazing aura that he's got. In a way, it's similar to Samoa Joe, where when he's just there, he's just the, that, just the, with the uh, Joe's going to kill you chance. Like, Walter's got that same feeling about him. And he's got such uh, sort of. Uh, with the ring general thing fits him so, so well. And he just oozes that kind of aura of control. And this match kind of showed it. Even when Mark Coffey seemed to get in some offence, Walter still had control. And that was the feeling I had. And he and yeah, he won the match relatively easily. He didn't seem to ever really lose control. And he continues to look like a badass. Yes, the Austrian badass. Because he's not German, he's Austrian. But yeah, so he's still, interesting, he's still wearing his ring camp coat out to the ring. I don't know if he's there's going to be a ring camp thing. Or if they've not made a decision on that, they're still just building up Walter. Because uh, last week's main event was... I bought this up before, but Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. And Marcel Bartel, the first time I saw him, was in uh, Progress and he was teaming with Walter as like as representing Ringkampf. So, yes, will they do that? <laughs> will they put them back together? Will they do a Ringkampf thing? I don't know. But Walter, as a ring general, as like a straight into a main event kind of guy, awesome to see. And I'm really enjoying him. People's chests aren't enjoying him. <laughs> but. Yeah, maybe they'll have to cut down on that because, of course, if he slaps them across the chest and it's bright red, they've still got to wrestle the next night. <laughs> so maybe cut that down a little bit, Walter. We'll wait and see. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, clocking in at 53 minutes. Well done me, getting it under an hour. Still have to cover two NXT UKs. Makes it nice and easy. So an age on the news as well. Still only 53 minutes. Uh, but yes, thank you for listening to me waffle on about the network shows. Back to an actual format. Uh, I should be doing this again next week. Cannot guarantee... <laughs> that, I think that's the plan for now uh, there's no uh, uh, the only guess I've got is Clive so it's going to be a nice little thing it might be different going into Wrestlemania uh, that's a busier time of year I'll see how that goes but thank you for listening to the show and please do check out the other shows and Laws of Pain or thank you for listening to them as well uh, tomorrow is the right side of the pond with Mav, Plan and Mazza talking something they've already hyped it but I've forgotten what it was <laughs> uh, Saturday is all about the elite or it's all about no all all in and all it's something about all elite <laughs> oh that's that's bad <laughs> but yeah so there, it's an all elite show from the people who brought you WCW Legacy Series they're now covering the all in thing and all of their stuff uh, all in about the elite or whatever it's called yeah so the wall yeah so that is the thing <laughs> that's on on Saturday for the WCW Legacy Series where they're talking about AEW and they'll be talking about MLW as well. I think like, it's Major League Wrestling. I can't quite remember. Yes, yeah, so we'll be talking about both of those promotions, but it's primarily an AEW thing, but we'll be talking about MLW for now, of course, because AEW hasn't started yet <laughs> in the need content. So that is on Saturdays. Sundays is reserved for whatever Steve's got planned. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a plan for a, uh, for a retro shop with plan or whatever, but obviously next week is Elimination Chamber, so there will be an aftershock for that. 
Uh, Monday, you've got Jan Man and his friend Jeff talking about Ring of Honor and MGTPW and whatever takes their fancy on Kingdom of Honor. Tuesdays is Global Revolution with Mr. Visvan back again. And Wednesday's light. Wednesday's, well, Wednesday's for me. <laughs> Time zone messing up again. Tuesdays for you Americans live after SmackDown is One Nation Radio with Rich Latter and James Boyd with all their jokiness. <laughs> Felt so British, ain't it, like that? And Wednesdays is Samuel Plan with Sports Entertainment is Dead with Plan Seed all up in you. So uh, he'll be doing the uh, in-universe KFAB uh, preview of the Elimination Chamber. Uh, and I'll be back next week doing this right before Elimination Chamber, so I might talk about 25 Lives thing in that, but primarily I want to, I want to cover the network again. <laughs> it might be the last time for a while. Anyway, so thank you for listening to this show. Please you can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Impacat. You can read my columns every Monday on Laws of Pain. You can listen to this show every Thursday on Laws of Pain Radio. Uh, thank you for listening, and with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Hey.